you are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. Well, we are starting again, as we said, this new series, The Future Church. I want to let you know that um, I have some concerns. And uh, it starts with a feeling that I was getting, and then it, it culminated by somebody probably a month, a month and a half ago, somebody in their mid-20s that came up to me and, and just said, you know, I, I just don't feel like um, that I'm connecting here at this church. And, and I feel like, you know, they're not giving up on their faith, but they just feel like I, I just want to do something different and not really connect to church and maybe do something in my home or whatever. And, and on the surface, that sounds okay. But I got really angry. I got really angry, not at the person, but at the fact that that person didn't feel like there was a place for them here at Grace Capital. Now, I'm not saying stylistically, I'm not saying, you know, we have a bunch of different styles. You might from, be from a different tradition or maybe you don't have any church experience. And, 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 but, but for this person to say that they wanted to leave this family and not have the privilege of having uh, uh, us, the body, support and encourage that person to grow in their faith just started to stir something in me. Then I started praying, and I started looking around, and I started seeing how many people were in of that age group in this church, and one of the things they said, well, there's not a lot of people like me, and, you know, we are a, only a 20-year-old church, and yet we would be probably younger than most New England churches, but if we were to have a raise of hands, how many people are in this room that would say that they're over... Let's say 30 years old, raise your hand. Majority of the room, and I would just say, if you are under 30 years old, raise your hand. Okay, there's some of you, but proportionately. And, and I would just begin to start thinking about the future church. And I started to say, God, what, what's going on in our society today? What's going on in our world today? And, and realizing what's happening to the church today. And I started stumbling on some statistics that made me really concerned. Before I go into those statistics, though, if you turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, if you have the Grace Capital Church app, you can find the Bible on there, or you can just do a Bible app, you can look it up there. I just want to make sure that when we crack open God's Word that we um, realize what we're looking at here. The Apostle Paul, by the way, um, before I get too far along as well, I didn't Pastor Richie do a great job last week? Where are you, Pastor Richie? There you are. So I was out of town, but I watched the service online. Uh, for those of you watching online, remember we say it's better to be in service than out. But if you're traveling, we understand if you're out of town. But I had the privilege of uh, being with you online, and I was like, he's bringing it. He, Pastor Richie, you had some fire. But anyways, he was talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and we, I love how you brought to the attention that their names were actually different. But one of their friends was Daniel, and he had, a, had another name as well. Belshazzar was his name. But I, I love that that was a setup for this 
um, this message. Daniel was 17 when he was brought into captivity in Babylon. Babylon, I would say, is very similar to the culture that we have today. Very secular, very um, kind of anything goes, a lot of idols. And by the way, if you're saying, hey, we don't have idols today, I would say anything that is, takes more importance than your relationship with God is an idol. And if, if we have those things in our life, then we're practicing idolatry, which I would say is not good. <laughs> But here is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here's some people that were able to hold themselves true to God in the midst of a very, um, a world like ours. And so I started looking at our world and, and, and I was starting to look at our, our generations. And by the way, so I'm going to do another little thing here. So there's different generations who would say are boomers born 1944 through 1964. Boomers in the room? You're going to be retiring quickly if you haven't already retired, and um, there you are. Well, then we have the Gen Xers. That's my generation, born 1965 to 1979. Gen Xers, raise your hand. Yeah, we feel pretty proud about our generation, don't we? All right. Well, then we've got the Gen Y, or the Millennials, as they're more commonly known, and those were born 1980 to 1994. Who's the Millennials in the room? Yeah, you guys. We know about you guys, too. We know about your generation. But the generation I'm going to focus on today is really the Gen, uh, Gen Z. Gen Z. As they've been, as they've been named. And, and who are the Gen Zs in the room? A lot of them are already in their classrooms in their Sunday school rooms. But Gen Z is this, born 1995 through 2015. Any Gen Zers in the room? There they are. There they are. I love Gen Z. You guys give me a lot of hope. I'm going to be talking about you a little bit today. But before we go into looking at these different generations, I, I want to understand the heart of, of God and maybe the heart of the Apostle Paul as it relates to another generation that he saw. In Romans chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, says this about um, the Israelites. I'm speaking the truth in Christ, he says, in Romans chapter 9, verse 1, basically say, I'm not lying. Oh, he does say that. <laughs> I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow. You're going to see this on, on your thing. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For could I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh? He goes on to say, they are the Israelites. Here, Paul begins to have such a passion for those who don't know Jesus. That he says, if it's possible, could I be the one that's cursed so that they might know the saving hope of Jesus Christ? When you look at a generation that lies before us and you start looking at the statistics, you realize that that. Our world is starting to flee away. Our, our American church, I'm talking specifically those who grew up in the church, the young people, are moving away from the church. And I'm not talking about just a structure. I'm talking about being a part of a faith community of people who are followers of Jesus. 
Paul says, I just have great sorrow. And he's realizing what happens is we have generations that could walk away from, from Jesus and, and it has a ripple effect for multiple generations behind them. We saw it happening in Europe, but that took hundreds of years to take place. But what's happening right now is of great concern. If we do nothing different by the year 2050, so some researchers went and looked at the current trends of what's happening. And today, if you're here and you've never grew up in church, I love that you're here. You're going to break the trends. Chances are you're, you're probably of that generation also. Gen Y, that's what I'm very hopeful for uh, you guys. But if you're here and grew up in the church and you're younger, what they're saying is by the year 2050, 35 million youth raised in Christian homes will disaffiliate from Christianity, which is over 1 million youth per year. That's a concerning statistic. This could be the single largest generational loss of souls in history who are nominally raised in the church and no longer call themselves followers of Jesus. A soul. The soul, you will either have life or death. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, this is really important to listen to. For those of you who know Jesus, you understand it. Jesus, what he's done on, on the cross, when we sang, thank you for the cross, we love you for the cross. What he did on the cross was what gave us salvation, reunites us with our Father in heaven, forgives us from our sins. And by the way, even when you come to Christ, you're, you're not going to live a perfect life. You're going to continue to journey after Jesus. It's not going to be perfection, but you're going to find peace in your soul. You're going to find satisfaction in your relationship with Jesus. You're going to find those places, that, that, that emptiness that was, you were walking with before Jesus. But what is the concern is people once were in the church and this trend of moving away from the church. And by the way, I'm not even saying the church. It's their relationship with Jesus. And my question then ha happens to be is why, is, why is that happening and who's shoulders does that fall on? And it made me realize that, that yes, for us as parents, so Gen Xers, our kids are probably the, the, the Gen Y. The boomers, you've already raised probably the millennials. And, and there's something that goes on in transferring something to generations that has an impact on on the next generation. And so we have to ask ourselves, if the trend is this way, and, and, and I like how the researchers did this in, to say 2050, because 30 years is about a generation, right? So they say, let's have some, some foresight to what it would be play out for a generation. But my concern is that too many young people don't think a life with Jesus is worth their time. And if you've come to Jesus, you're, you're kind of like, how could that even be? Like, you, I know what my life was before Jesus. <laughs> I now know what my life is with Jesus. I can't even imagine walking away from him because that life that I was living before, before him, was a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of poor decisions.
But for some reason, our young people who, have gr- who are growing up in the church, I'm speaking to those who are growing up in the church, those kids that are in our classrooms right now, statistically, they are saying they are going to trickle out of faith communities and give up on their relationship with Jesus. But here's the hopeful part. Here's the hopeful part. The interesting thing about Gen, uh, Gen Z is that they are the largest generation ever in U.S. history. Largest generation ever. In, they, they're going to make up 26% of the population. There's going to be nearly 74 million of them in the U.S. There are. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about you guys for those Gen Zers. I'm talking, going to be talking specifically about you, why I'm so hopeful for your generation. But here's the thing. If we just return back to the level of retention and evangelism like we saw just 20 years ago, so 20 years ago would be Gen Xers, more people will be saved than during both the Great Awakenings, the African-American church growth, after the Civil War, the Azusa revivals, and even Billy Graham conversion combined. That's hopeful. But it's only hopeful based if we just go back to the level of how Gen Xers were brought to Christ and how they were planted in their relationship with Jesus. In Proverbs, it says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So it means that if there is a departure happening, that means are we really doing enough of the training up? How well are we doing in the training up? I don't know if you know it right now, but I'm the children's ministry director for Grace Capital Church. Yes, thank you. And, and not completely by design, a little bit by default, but I chose to say, if there's going to be a default, let it be me. The reason being is I started to get bothered by the fact that we sometimes treat kids' ministry or youth ministry as secondary, when the reality is primary. Come on. Somebody's agreeing with me on that. (laughs) Because they are the future church. And if we don't invest in them, here's another interesting statistic. 77% of people who will make a decision for Christ, it will happen before the age of 22. Now, for those of you who came to Christ later in life, God bless you. But the reality is our best chance for people to experience the freedom and hope found in Jesus Christ happens when they're young. And this can't be like, hey, we're a church, so therefore we have to have kids ministry or we have to have a youth group or we have to. No, we have to say they are the future church, which means, and again, not church being, hey, I'm concerned about that this building's not going to be in existence 30 years from now. I'm concerned that there's not going to be a faith within them that will sustain them through life and they won't have anything to pass down to the next generation, whatever we call the next generation. When they, if they walk away from Jesus now and they start having kids, guess what? Those kids, the chances of them knowing the Lord are less and less. Today, 
We have groups of kids through inner high schools that have no clue of who Jesus is. And you wonder why pornography. We wonder why premarital sex. We wonder why gender confusion. By the way, there's no judgment in any of those things. Because guess what? They don't know any better. And, and when they're doing those things, they're not realizing the hurt and pain that's going to cause them. They're just thinking, well, this is normal. This is what we do. And meanwhile, the enemy continues to snuff out a generation. And I've just determined it's not going to happen on my watch. That's not going to happen on your watches either, because we're going to do something about it. But it might mean that we have to change. It might mean we have to do th some things differently. Because if it's not working, that means we probably got to do some things to make it work. Yes. And I don't know what it looks like. And anybody who's saying yes, you better be involved in kids ministry and youth ministry. <laughs> Because it means we're all in on this. It means we're all about this. But here's what makes me so hopeful. The greatest missions opportunity in America's history lies before us. It's in part this, to encourage and retrain children and youth in the churches today who are poised to leave in record numbers. But that's on us and parents, but on us. Now again, remember, if you're here and, and you're just kind of checking out church, you don't even know this Jesus thing really well, and yet you come here and you feel loved and welcomed, I love that you're here. And this message does relate to you because when, when you come to Gen Z, when you come to Christ, it's going to be so real and authentic, and it's going to be like a flu virus, <laughs> that you just get next to somebody and they catch it. And then you get to share Jesus with a generation that is so longing to be connected, so longing, longing for truth, so longing for real answers to life's difficult challenges. I'm hoping to be able to do this. I have it scheduled to, for tomorrow to have a call with the president the new president at Life Pacific University. She's done a lot of research of Gen, with Gen uh, Z. And, and there's some really interesting qualities about Gen Z that we're going to talk about that we're going to tape it and show it to you next week. But one of the things that I'm so encouraged by is, is the generation they, they grew up in. They would know at least a, a time. They wouldn't have known a time with, without the idea of terrorism. They were born shortly after the attacks of 9-11. They also, one really positive thing is, is they were taught diversity, which means you love everybody regardless. That's why they have this idea today that Gen Z feels like it's, you know what, how you feel about your gender is okay. It doesn't matter what you, how you were born, it's how you feel. We'll support you and love you however you feel. In many ways, that's a, that's a good thing because they're non-judgmental. And our older generation, I think sometimes we, we got to this place of we know the word of God and then, then people felt judged. And we're not to judge. We're to love and bring them to Jesus and let Jesus do the work in their life. Amen. The other thing that makes me really excited about this generation is, is the time. 
the time and place. Not only are they the largest generation, but, but I also believe that all great revivals took place when there's a young generation who said, count me in. I want to make a difference. I want to live a different way. All great revolutions started by a young person's movement. And I believe we're poised for a real revival in our youth. But it means that they need mentors. They need those who will stand with them and disciple them, that are willing to take risks, willing to fund, willing to invest, because they can't do it on their own. The worship team wants to come back up. I, I want to cast a little bit of a vision for this series for us. And one, I, I'm just so grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that you are investing in the ministry of Grace Capital Church by first and foremost, by you being present. If you're a young person, I want to let you know we're going to go the distance with you and invest in you. We're going to make sure that you can find the real Jesus, stay connected, and we're going to help you grow to succeed in your relationship with him. Millennials, Gen Xers, Boomers, and those of you who are above the Boomer age would we'll call you that generation elders. You guys are, have also, everybody has a part to play in this. But over the next weeks, we're going to be unpacking what it means to, to really look at the future church and look at what our role is and what we need to do. And it's going to culminate with this, and I was determining whether I was going to share this with you at the end of the series, or I just felt like I need to let you know where we're heading. Uh, the reason I'm the interim children's ministry person is when Jesse left, um, we were at a place that we didn't, we couldn't really rehire. We couldn't afford to rehire. We had somebody to step in midterm and really helped us with um, with Martha to help us out there. And then she had family issues, uh, family things she had to work on. I really appreciated her stepping and helping us. We got everybody all tuned up over there. Did you mute them, Mark, or are we just hearing them through the stage? We're going to just keep going. Why did I even bring attention to that? John's looking at me back there and he says, don't, why did you do that? You lost the moment. Can I just brag on John for a moment? I'm going to go rabbit trail for a minute. So John is one of our technical guys. Our, uh, and he's, he's done a good job training me over the years. He, this was the bad job, what I just did there. He'll talk to me Monday. He says, you know, Mark, you know, why'd you have to say something? Because nobody, you just drew, drew attention to something that nobody was even paying attention to, is what he would say. Right, John? Yeah. So he says, shaking his head, yes. And then now our online audience is now connected to something that wasn't even, uh, you know, so I just made a big mess. So thank you for your grace, John, but thank you for your instruction. Um, so let's bring this back here for a moment. Why I'm the kind of children's ministry person. And 
I think God needed me to have a different perspective. And in this process of this perspective of understanding what's transpiring with their young people, it's really broken my heart. So much so, I, um, it's kind of coincidental, but I, I did it symbolically. I, there's a little uh, maple tree that was starting to grow in one of my flower beds last year. And I said, you know, I'm just going to dig it up and put it in a pot. And I heard, you know, trees will end up just kind of rooting according to their pot. And so this fall, though, I looked at it, it was probably this tall. And I was like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant this. And I planted it on the church property. Not much to look at today. Probably somebody would be like, why is that even there? Like, just, just mow it over. We'd whack it down. I've made sure it's a bunch of mulch around and I put a stake so nobody's going to like hopefully damage it. But that tree will not actually look great for another 10 to 20 years. But you know our kids in the nursery, the toddlers, if we're not intentional about planting something of significance in them today, there's not going to be a lot to look forward to in 20 years. I hope that tree, if it makes it, survives the winter. <laughs> will remind us that the best time to invest in a generation, first of all, is today. Best time to plant a, an orchard, they say an apple orchard is 20 years ago. <laughs> right? It takes time to develop. It takes time to grow. It takes time to mature. And we can't be so fast to say, hey, what's going on today? And, and not realize that we have to think about 30 years from now. A generation. And I want to tell you, if you are generation, if you're Generation Z, we are going to help you get through these years. And you're going to thrive in your relationship with Jesus because we're going to make sure of that. You're like a tree a little sapling tree, but you're going to grow into this wonderful, beautiful shade tree that's going to have the opportunity to be a blessing to so many people. But we got to do this together, church. So this interim children's ministry thing gave me another perspective, but it also realized that we can't just keep kicking the can down the road and say, well, when the finances get a little better, we'll wait till we hire somebody. That could be another year from now. It could be another two years from now. So we said, let's be proactive. So this year, our year-end giving is going to go towards funding a position, a full-time position, but which, by the way, doesn't mean now we've got our person and, and they're going to do all the ministry thing. They're going to actually catalyze us to be involved, to get the whole church behind this generation to make sure that they are not going to wander away from Jesus because we didn't do our part.
to invest in them. So I just wanted to begin for you to start praying about this. Not for a whole long time, it's year-end giving, but I wanted to start planting the seed for you to understand that we are going to use our year-end giving to fund a full-time position, a next-gen position that's going to look after our babies all the way up through high school. That's going to help us, to challenge us, to give us focus, to make sure that this generation is not going to be a lost generation. They're going to be found, they're going to grow, and they're going to thrive. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would have the heart that, like Paul did, that he was not content to see one lost soul. So much so, Lord Jesus, he said, if I was the one to be cursed, let it be so, so others can find life and can be saved. Put that passion in each one of us, Lord Jesus, to say, I have a part in this. I have a part in investing in this next generation. I am not going to be satisfied to see this next generation wander away from you, Lord Jesus, or never come to you in the first place, Jesus. We're going to invest. It means we're going to invest our lives. Jesus, I see this greatest revival taking place, this greatest numeric generation who's been poised, God. They've, they've grown up an era of that you've uniquely positioned them, God, to, to receive you. Lord, there's so much hope that I have. So much hope that I have. Let us have eyes to see. Let us feel your heartbeat, Father, for this generation. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to close by just telling you one last story. Maybe the Lord knew I was discouraged or maybe somebody knew I was discouraged and encouraged this person to talk to me, but there was, I think probably 18, 19 year old who came up to me after church probably three weeks ago. He said, I, I want you to consider me as one that you can build this church worth with. Again, remember, don't think church building. Think church of what God is doing, that God's gathering people and moving and he's building people. This 19-year-old was like so sincere. I was holding back my tears as he was telling me because I was discouraged. I was like, God, where are these young people that we have the privilege to invest in? And to have this young man say, pick me, invest in me. instilled such great hope that there are people who are genuinely interested in Jesus Christ who want to respond to what the Spirit of God is doing. We have an opportunity, but we also have a choice. Let the opportunity go by us. And 30 years from now, we'll be saying, Man, we should have done something. Or we say today, putting the stake in the ground today, we're planting the tree today, 
knowing that we're investing for 30 years from now. Would you do that with us? Let's rise to your feet and let's sing in closing song. But would you just in affirmation, if that's you saying, we're willing to invest in this next generation. If you just give a clap of acknowledgement, we'll do that. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If this ministry has impacted you and you would like to partner with Grace Capital Church to impact the communities around you, please join us at gccnh.com forward slash partners.